Welcome to The Way We Connect, exploring the way we relate, date and communicate. I'm Gwen and today we're going to be talking about relationships, of course. (laughs) So Plato used to argue that the highest form of love was actually this non-sexual, non-romantic form of attachment to another person, this so-called brotherly love. Plato reasoned that since passion and romance and sex often make us do ridiculous things that we regret, this sort of passionless love between two family members or two close friends was the height of virtuous human experience. In fact, Plato apparently, you know, looked at romantic love with scepticism or complete horror. That's why we call it platonic love. And yet today it seems... We're obsessed with romantic relationships. Every song, every film, every TV show, somewhere, if it's not centred around a love story, there is some sort of romance or flirtation or love or sex in there somewhere. On top of that, you hear about podcasts that are all directed towards couples. When I looked for a podcast about relationships, all I could find was kind of marriage advice and guidance. People go to couples therapy, books tell you how to have better relationships. So how are we not supposed to feel somehow inferior if we haven't found this ideal partner, this soulmate? And that's what I'm looking at in the next few episodes. Where has this idea of compatibility and soulmates come from? Is it damaging? Is it realistic? Does it give us something to aspire to? And what do people really think these days? Some people say the idea of romantic love sprung up from the Enlightenment because individual rights and the pursuit of happiness was certainly a big deal. And before that, marriage had been a means to an end, you know, a way of joining families together or of having financial security. However, people have obviously experienced desire and lust and possibly a more, you know, romantic, deep spiritual sort of feeling for each other for eons. After all, Plato talked about it, so perhaps there's more to the story than just the Enlightenment changing everything. I really doubt we can say that the idea is completely new, right? I mean, Shakespearean and Greek plays contain a lot of examples of romantic love, even if they often ended in tragedy. And from my uh, experience of Googling, I found that the oldest recorded love song is supposedly the love song for Shusen, dated around 2000 years uh, BCE. Although, more accurately, it was actually a sacred rite that was thought to be read when the king would ensure fertility by symbolically mating with the goddess Inanna, by having sex with the priestess of the temple, in other words. So, okay, maybe not really a love song, maybe more of a dedication to lust. Anyway, while it used to be the norm that you would marry for safety, to have a family, to be financially secure. Nowadays, the idea is that you seek romantic relationships based on who you're compatible with, who you have feelings for. Of course, not everyone marries these days, but the idea of getting with somebody, coupling up, still is a big thing. You know, a lot of couples will live together, even if they don't get married. And as marriage is no longer seen as a necessary thing, It does give us more freedom and flexibility to try on different relationships over time. But even if marriage is not something we now feel we have to do, it's very hard to escape this feeling that there's somehow something wrong with us if we're not in a romantic relationship. I can say from my own experience that I've always found it very difficult to be single. It's not only the loneliness 
although that is a big part of it. It's often this feeling that there must be something inferior about me, something wrong with me, if I can't find another person who wants to be with me, to spend their life with me. But on top of that, of course, I also don't want to just be with any old person. The idea is that I should find someone who I think is amazing, who in turn thinks I'm amazing, and that we can be together. And when I don't have this in my life, I have historically tended to feel pretty insecure and not very happy. It's not to say that I haven't enjoyed other aspects of my life, of course. I put a lot of effort and energy into friendships and career when I can, but it always feels as if something is not quite right without having a partner. And the thing with this pressure to find a partner, whether that comes from society or from ourselves or some mixture of the two, is that we often have this idea that somewhere out there in the universe, or at least on this planet, there exists that perfect person for us, that soulmate, that person who we're destined to be with. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to have a spiritual context. It doesn't have to mean that people believe there's really some god or some spirits out there trying to bring them together with that person. But it does still seem that even people who say they don't believe that act in a way that maybe suggests that they do. That means breaking up with somebody when things are not quite right. Following that belief that there is somebody else out there, even if we haven't met that person yet, who will be more compatible with us, rather than maybe working on what we do have and building and improving the relationships with the people that we do already have in our lives. I talked to a few different friends over the last few weeks with very different views on this subject. So, we're going to listen to an interview that I recorded last year when Liz was still podcasting with me, uh, with my friend Louise. Now you'll see that Louise has had a lot of romantic partners and yet continues to have this extraordinary faith that she will find the right person. So without any further ado, let's go to that interview, even though it was recorded about a year ago, with Louise. So hi Louise. Hi. So um, can you tell us a bit about yourself? I am a professional singer. I've um, been doing that for about 15 years. I tour the UK in a show. Um, I... <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know. What else do you want to know? Well, I'm going to ask you a bit about your relationship history. Okay. If you're okay sharing that. Yeah, that's fine. So walk us through a very brief history. <laughs> <laughs> Very brief. Okay. One on one. Okay. Um, I had my first um, proper boyfriend when I was fifteen, um, and unfortunately, <laughs> that didn't end very well because I was too interested in another boy at school. Um, and then when I got engaged to, he was, I would say, my first love. Got engaged to him at very, you know, very tender age of sixteen. So, of course, you know, we're going to be together forever. Yes, so, of course. <laughs> and then that's the end of the story. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The rest is history. <laughs> um, so we were engaged. And then when we got to 19, um, we moved in together, tried to do the grown-up thing. Um, I had a look at some mortgages and things like that. He then went away on tour with his band come back and I I was in theatre as well and I was doing it in the middle of a show so I was in the middle of a run of a show so I was out every evening doing doing that and it was quite a busy show 
So he just, he's, he changed. As soon as he came back, I thought, Heath, there's something going on that I don't know about. And this probably was in November and the show that I was in was in January. So he came back from the show and I, I had a chat with him and he said, you know, no, everything's fine, everything's fine. And we went on a little bit more. And then we went on holiday in the December and I had managed to get out of him by then that he just thought it's all too much too soon. You're my first proper girlfriend. Is there is the grass greener on the other side? Um, so unfortunately, uh, we split up. Um, and then I met my next long-term boyfriend who was 10 years older than me when I was 19 there's a very brief sort of seven months in between where I was single probably about the only time in my life I've been Mm -hmm. single um so I then got together with a guy that I'd met at the pub I was working at uh it got to a point first six months really really good and then he disappeared with like all my money and it was a bit of a a three-year sort of um, just found myself getting very manipulated and very controlled and then at the end of it he disappeared um and then I met my brother's best friend at a pub I was working at and knew of him he was then my big love of my life ex um we were again engaged and wedding was well underway being planned flowers being designed cakes dresses honeymoon books the lot And then he got to the point where he said, I can't do this anymore. It's all too much, all too much pressure, all too soon. I'm starting by then to think, is it me? Am I, am I coming on too strong with all of this all the time? Um, And then my last relationship was, I met him at work. Uh, We've just split up after about a year. Um, 13 years older than me this time. Um, And yeah, just again, really complicated, really up and down, full of drama I don't know. And I do sit and I think, is it me? Mm. Is, is it me? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a question a lot of people ask, though. Like, yes. I'm, sure, I'm sure it's on the I'm other side. I'm the common side. denominator, is the right. way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> so I'm always in me. all of my relationships. So, therefore, <laughs> that's the reason why. Because we don't, we obviously are not in everybody else's relationship, you know, like all of your no. partners' relationships and ex partners' relationships. And mm. I'm sure they feel the same way. Because it probably is that case for them. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so mainly four, so yeah, four main relationships, yeah, the teenage yeah. one that you think is going to last forever, mm. and then the, the the guy that's older than you, um, that's older than you, and then Ben, who was, we'll just call him that, um, who was the big love of my life, and I did feel completely broken after that, absolutely broken, like I don't know what to do with myself, neither of us wanted it to end, mm. it was a case of I love you, but I can't be with you right now, so it's like, what do you do with that? how am I supposed to get over that Mm -hmm. because I know you don't want it to end either so how how are you supposed to move on from that um and then my friend uh who's my ex now he kind of helped me through that we were friends at work we met and then we just got on really really well clicked he then helped me through the breakup and then we became let's say friends with benefits to begin with and then that materialized into emotions and because of previous things he'd been through and I'd been through the issues we both brought to the table were mm. just very, very um, dramatic, to say the least. Um, yeah. It was eventful. 
That's it. That's something that we can definitely say for relationships is that we have experiences. No matter what, it's some experience that we can have. It's memorable. Yeah, yeah. So you you said you've only been single for about seven months since. In my lifetime. Since you were 15. Yes. Mm. Which now, when I sort of say that to myself, I think that's not very long. That's not a very long period of time to really know who you are at my age now. You know, I kind of think maybe now is the point in my life where I I actually need to take that relationship free time. But I'm always finding myself soon, you know, as soon as one ends or even not, not before one ends, but as soon as one ends, you, you're on the dating sites and you're, you're kind of looking for someone else to fill, fill that gap. And you just think, do I really need someone else to fill the gap? Or am I just doing it because it's what you do? Am I doing it because it's habit? Am I doing it because I actually want to? Or do I just need to be, a lot of my friends have said, you just need to be boy free for a little while. And I'm like, sounds like what I should do, but doing it's a bit harder than that. (laughs) It is. I think think relationships are so comforting. It is. It's that company, isn't it? The sort of someone... I mean, even only today I got hit on and it was kind of like, it was a nice feeling, that feeling, you know, the butterflies and the yep. flirting and mm-hmm. you think, oh, how far <laughs> do I take it, you know? I think sometimes it is a physical addiction too, isn't it? You know, just the yeah. the rush that we can get from, from the adrenaline that, from it. Yeah, from like even that initial love, you know, that you can you can attach onto, and then even after the initial like butterflies is gone, there's still like that stability. Like this person knows mm. me more than anybody else knows me. Like nobody gets me like this person, right? And <laughs> and nobody ever will. Yes. Um. And so it's so easy. And then uh, to get comfortable in this, and then when that ends, you're like, I need to find somebody else who will know me at that level who really gets me um because nobody else does again Mm. um so it continues like this definitely and sometimes you find that each person the one before didn't know you as well as that one did and the one before didn't know you as well as that one did so it becomes this mountain for this Mm -hmm. new person to climb the level just gets higher and higher and higher to hit like the bar to hit is just way up there And so if you just keep doing it, finally somebody will really know you. Someone really knows me. (laughs) There we go. Just keep keep on with the with the relationships now. Um, But like, but thinking about the the seven months when you were single, do you remember how that felt for you? Um, Yes, I was in a point in my life where I was unfortunately using that act as a a way of punishing myself Mm -hmm. because I felt like the breakup was my fault um through different things that I've been through as a kid and things that that was very much a that was my form of self-harm if you like and I I I was doing it as a sense of power I did it to take control of my life so that I was the one in control um no one could tell me what to do I was the one that held all of the cards yet I wouldn't let anyone anywhere near me emotionally but physically I wanted to take control of the situation I wanted to I went out, I saw what I wanted, I went and got it. And the more of a challenge it was, the more of an accomplishment it was, unfortunately. And great in the moment, you get, like I said, the adrenaline, the the sense of, I think it was that sense of power, unfortunately, and it becomes addictive. And then in the morning, every time the level was raised, I felt even worse in the morning. So it became this, the high then becomes you have to do more to, to get a better high than the one mm-hmm. before and more to get a better high than the one before. And then that's it, the, the calm down in the morning is you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror and think, 
what are you doing? Like, why would you keep doing this to yourself? Which is why I'm thinking now, maybe actually I need to break that cycle of just being on your own. So, yeah, it can get quite dangerous otherwise, I think. It's quite physically dangerous. Not physically, but emotionally dangerous. Oh, yeah, definitely. and maybe physically, right? Because you never know who some people yeah, are. Yeah, that's true. I think I tried to push the boundaries. Um, I never really wanted an intimate, like, making love as if you like it was more the 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 rougher the more you throw me around the mm. more you can I don't know the more physical you can be with me the the better and actually now I think about it I think I don't know if I want that now I just want that emotional connection that intimacy that uh security um yeah so it's, it's amazing how how I feel now being single to how I was when I was 18 which was a lifetime it is, it is a lifetime ago. that's when we met though I know <laughs> it's so long ago yeah it just feels like forever ago so um can I ask you mm-hmm. what's the longest period of time you've gone without having sex <laughs> that was when me and the big ex broke up um and it probably would only have been three months mm. I reckon Apart from before I started having sex. Yeah, I wasn't really. going to count that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say about three months is the longest period of time because I was purely waiting for him. He gave, he said he wanted space. Mm-hmm. I gave him that space. He then, because he was my brother's best friend, moaned to my brother saying, she's, well, she's, she's not contacted me. She's not talking to me. And he said, well, you asked her to give you space. That's what she's done. And you're still not happy about it. Um... And we did eventually, we bumped into each other one night and it was, like you say, absolute fireworks. Just could not keep our hands off each other. And his dad was there that night and he actually pulled him aside and said to him, you've been together five years and you still have that connection. Mm. He was like, you don't, that connection doesn't stay that strong for many people for that amount of time. And you split up as well. He was like, what are you doing? You know, you know you want to get back together. We had a couple of months of sort of dating over Christmas, but I think it was that Christmas. The Christmas um, festivities makes everybody happier, makes everybody more lovey-dovey, and, oh, everything's going to be fine. And then January came, and it was not so lovey-dovey, and the reality of the mountain we maybe had to climb together became a bit too much, and Mm. away you went again. So, Which was more painful the second time, if I'm honest than the first the first I kind of had to just pick myself up and get on with it but the second time around was yeah was much worse than the first time because you'd come right back round you started to see a future together you started to see yeah we can possibly work this out and yeah to then have the carpet ripped out from underneath it's like grieving twice for the same person yeah fuck yeah really yeah and then and it's just it's just the pain I don't don't get that empty pain it's just where does that come from it's just that emptiness is like it's like right there, isn't it? Right in your yeah, stomach, and it just lasts. It's like a dull ache that mm-hmm. you kind of get used to after a while. It's still there, but you kind of have to sort of just get used to it. You wake up, and yeah, it's still there. It's faded a little bit, but it's still there. <laughs> but I would say about three months. Mm. It's. I'm just thinking now. I have a friend who actually, Anna, who came on the show and she always said she never had a relationship until she was 24 and she saw her friends always coming in and out of relationships and she said she thinks that when you're in those formative years as a teenager, that that's what really shapes you. So if you 
weren't single as a teenager, it's really hard to adapt to that later as an mm. adult. Whereas for her, she's totally happy doing her own thing, being her own. Obviously, you know, she has a lot of friends and she's happy now in her relationship, but she never had so much of that craving to be with someone, mm. I think. So, yeah, do you think the fact that you started relationships possibly. early? Yeah, possibly. I never had a very good introduction to relationships mm-hmm. from previous little childhood stuff but I think that meant that I then I had no respect for sex either because sex was not something to be respected mm-hmm. um that I'd been taught it wasn't it wasn't an intimate act between a couple so that probably didn't help my moving forward and into relationships and things like that and then I would I kind of through different one thing and another I was used to being manipulated used to being controlled and it was kind of that that sort of seemed normal so unless someone was going to manipulate me and control me I was uncomfortable with it so it's like this Mm -hmm. is not right this is not what I'm expecting so therefore I went for the people that would go to the extreme all the time and if you didn't go to the extreme then you were just too normal and boring for me and go away but actually it was the, probably the normal and boring people not, not boring but you know to me at the time were maybe the one the nice ones I needed to go for <laughs> um, no I, I think you're right it's having relationships early because we were together about 15 to just before I was 19 I think and that does shape you and it that loss of your first love is like, it's heartbreaking. It's really difficult. And then I think after that, you do go a bit too crazy. Once you then become single, you've had all this lovely stability. We're going to be together forever and grow old and, you know, have grandchildren and great grandchildren and all that kind of stuff. And then you're on your own and it's, you have to just suddenly fill that void. Oh, yeah. And I think you've, mm-hmm. you've not known how to do it because you've been in this relationship for so long. So it maybe goes from one extreme to the other maybe because mm-hmm. of that I, I don't know i saw this really precious post on, on facebook today of this guy who uh who recently broke up with his boyfriend and it was just asking for somebody who would uh hold his hand and like cuddle Aww. with him like platonically um you know you say i'm not looking for another relationship i just really miss that physical mm. connection um so it is really interesting how we do develop these addictions on the two levels of the comfort mm. and, and emotional of you understand me and then the second of like cuddling at night you know it's just like this this feeling of that comfort that we can have and so yeah when we when we lose that exactly like you mm. said then we find any way that we can fill it and and maybe it's not in the let's say stable way that our relationship no. is where you're cuddling every night and like no. you know having sweet love like, of what you do no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you don't try and fill it with cuddling <laughs> <laughs> so it's why I appreciated this post so much because that is kind of the core of it in a way yeah, isn't it yeah, you, you know, strip just that. everything away right like mm-hmm. what are you really trying to get when you seek out these one night stands and stuff mm. and you know I definitely can't talk because this is always what I've done when I've become single as well is like mm. straight away I'm on tinder I'm looking I'm trying to meet somebody but it's the same thing right you're too emotionally wounded to let anyone in mm. emotionally so it just becomes All more that's left is physical isn't yeah it? and maybe you're also craving excitement because mm. you know you think about when you were in the early stages of your last relationship and how exciting it was to have you know that passion you crave that too but yeah, I think a lot of it is just wanting touch, right? Yeah. And it's a very important thing psychologically just to have touch. And I read an article recently that was really sad. It was saying how 
you know, kids these days are like missing this because teachers and even parents are like afraid to hug or yeah. comfort kids. And so people are growing up devoid of this physical touch, which is really good for you, right? Physically mm, and mentally. I, I used to teach in a school, um, in a private school, and I was the the musical theatre coordinator and I used to be a singing teacher and piano teacher and stuff like that. So I wasn't working in the classroom, but I was working all the after school um, activities and I was teaching one to one throughout the day. So they'd come out of their lessons to come and have a, a lesson and go back. Um, and I would walk through if I was teaching during the day, the kids would see me to know that I'm teaching them after school. I'd be like, ah, and they'd come running over and I'd have to stand there, honest to God, with my hands up in the air because and, and maybe like an occasional pat on the head because mm. I just think I need my hands where people can see them because it's so, gone so crazy at the moment and you, and they all come up and they throw their arms around you and they're like oh I'm so excited for drama later and can we play this game and can we do this and da, 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 da. or one of them falls and but I'm having to stand there with my hands up thinking this is ridiculous like when a child hugs you you just want to hug them back but you you can't um, because of all the legalities and, the, and all of that kind of thing. And I do understand the legalities, of course. Um, but even silly things like when, when one of the children, for instance, would fall over and, in, in dance and, you know, and not seriously hurt themselves, but to a point where you're, you're their only adult in that class and they're crying and you think the only you want to comfort them and the way they want to be comforted is they want to hug Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's and yeah and if you're taking that away it's you're you're leaving them with emotions to deal with that they don't know how to deal with and don't understand how to deal with and it can't be good for them interesting the the mental health issues that develop in the next next like 10 years yeah yeah and like more and more spending time on the screens yeah Mm -hmm. with people yeah i'm really there's gonna be Worried a few more things added to the DSM right there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few new, few new titles. I think so, and um, I wonder even, you know, from myself and friends knowing what it's like now with people who still did have some physical affection as kids, but there was something missing, like maybe some emotional unavailability from a parent or something. Right? I think that is something that already makes us seek out more and more and more contact yeah. relationships with people. So I don't know what it's going to look like. Mm, yeah. I, mean, I know for, for sure that I was my first uh, relationship with a guy who was 10 years older than me. I know that I was craving that. I, I'm not saying I didn't get love from my dad because I did, but I got it in a much more practical way. I had to be, even as an adult, I had to be bawling my eyes out before I'd get a hug. But it's not because he didn't want to. It's because my dad clearly isn't comfortable in, in that area. So he's not overly physically affectionate with my mum unless he's having a laugh, you know, unless he's messing around. So I know that that's not me. That's my dad's, looking back on it now, that's my dad's, um, not comfortable uh, with being overly emotional and you know overly open and things like that. And it, with the things that I've done and the things that I've learned, I'm now working with him to try and get a better relationship with my, with my dad. And he is changing. He's he's becoming a lot more open, a lot more emotional, and, and a lot more available, which is really nice. But in that relationship, the ten year one and the one I've just come out of, I know a lot of that was trying to replace what I didn't get from my dad, and. I kind of think was does that mean that I then wasn't in love with them and actually what I was trying to get was to fill a hole that I felt that my dad had maybe emotionally left there or 
oh, I don't know. And then I'm sitting there questioning whether I was actually in love with them at all or <laughs> right. whether it was just, you know, daddy issues, you know, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a bit of both. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think we both, fall in yeah. love with people because they do give us something that we didn't really have before mm. um, as well. I know I definitely experienced that in my current relationship as well. Like he gives me this, this like stability, you know, and this uh, just like this realness that this like honesty that I don't never got. And mm. I don't have and never had for my family, you know, which is always critical, you know, and then comparing and um, crazy emotional like me. Um, and and he's not like that at all. And but yeah, then on the other hand, we also bring in those problems. So we, we fill the hole, but then we also bring in some problems as mm. well. Like I talked about the criticizing and the comparing. So then I'll project those problems onto him as well, that he is doing that even mm. though he isn't as well, which we've talked about um have you ever had this experience where you're projecting problems that you have from your history on I partners? think so yeah mm-hmm. yeah probably I I can't really think of an example now but there's there's got to be I mean maybe maybe my not one not being able to take responsibility for actions from when I was younger talking mm-hmm. about me about my my mum was absolute unconditional love because of her childhood and what she'd been through, me and my brother got absolute overload of love, which a lot of children and a lot of people now go, your mum is amazing. And but she's a bit quirky, isn't she? And like, yes, she is. But so she has her ways of because she wants to give you so much love. She doesn't want to. Dis- she never wanted to discipline us because she never wanted any form of negativity to come into our lives. But she just couldn't quite grasp that actually children need a bit of discipline for that stability to become well-rounded people, you know. Um, So therefore, I never was made to take responsibility for my actions where my mum was concerned, right from when I was old enough to to, do anything, really. It was always somebody else's fault. My mum was very much has the uh, attitude that a lot of things are someone else's fault so I kind of learned that from her as well so I learned from her that everything's always someone else's fault if someone else hadn't done that you wouldn't have done that and I've never had to take responsibility so with those two things combined that's probably then in a relationship where you're trying to work through problems together I'm very much of it's all your fault it's all your fault none of it's mine it's all yours because (laughs) yada 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 yada. and actually probably probably a good 70% of it was probably my fault but I'm just going well I'm going to just turn it around as much as I can (laughs) to make it your fault and your problem so yeah I probably that amongst a lot of other examples if I really sat down and thought about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just like and it's so amazing too how we kind of create this like story this narrative of what is normal you know in a relationship as well like you know you're talking about your experiences like of being manipulated you know or your experience of it's not my fault you know Mm. that is what is normal it's learned behavior isn't it it's learned behavior from your childhood it's learned behavior from whatever relationship your parents had so if your parents have a volatile relationship that's normal to you so you therefore if you grow up and have a normal relationship it's not going to seem well, he doesn't hit me, so right. this can't be normal. Exactly. You know, he or mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't yell and scream at me every five minutes. This can't be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a lot of it is based upon your what you witness as a child, what you grow up with. You know, if you grow up with manipulative parents, then that becomes normal. If you grow up with parents who are very well rounded people, you're more likely to grow up to be a more well rounded person. You know, so it's a lot of it is learnt behaviour from when you're younger and, and seeing the relationships around you, not just your parents, but 
your your aunties and your uncles, your nan and your granddad, because you spend, you know, your nan and granddad, you probably spend a good majority of time when your parents aren't there. So you learn that relationship as well as your parents' relationship. So, yeah, a lot of it's got to be based on. I'm sure a lot of people are afraid of healthy relationships. I know, I want some time. Yeah, I I crave it now. Mm. All I want now is to just be able to be myself, but to have someone who is going to work with me, not against me, someone who will support me in what I want to do because I know it's not the norm. I want to come up cruising and singing and doing whatever. So I know that I don't have a routine. I'm not going to be at home all the time. I'm not going to be able to see them every night after work. I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be that, sort of mum that's going to be able to fall into that that category very easily um I'm not saying it's bad if you do or or it's good if you do it's just that wouldn't necessarily work for me because I don't have that structure but I I I have found a lot in my relationships I've given up opportunities for my relationships so I put my relationships first and put my career second and it's always come around to bite me on the backside somehow. So I, I'm now in a position where I'm like, Do you know what? I need to put what I want first, what I need first. And then my relationships need to be able to work with that, not against it. Mm. I've just given up so many opportunities and, and really good opportunities for boys. And I think, and I'm probably looking back on it again, I reckon I probably resented them for that. And I therefore then probably bought my own load of drama and caused a whole load of problems and then probably went off and did what I wanted when I wanted and made it their fault and you know so that's why why I do sometimes sit there and go maybe it was me maybe it was my own but my own contribution to the the breakdown of the relationship um, because of all of those things and maybe getting to my age now and hopefully having a longer period of time when I'm single (laughs) Um, well then whatever relationship I get into next will hopefully be a healthy and happy and well-rounded one fingers crossed that's the goal that's the goal man <laughs> I really can't deal with oh. drama <laughs> I used to love drama and it used to love me but I can't deal with it anymore I'm yeah. getting to an age where I'd oh I've got time for it it's exhausting so do you have a plan for trying to stay single for a while <laughs> um I do um Next year, I want to audition to do cruises, um, work abroad, and I know that it's going to be very difficult to hold down a steady relationship if I'm on a boat for six months, um, amongst all the other temptations that there's going to be on the boats uh, <laughs> and and on land, of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't think I, I feel I need to get that part done and that I need to to for myself I think I need to get that I want to know what I'm capable of I want to know what my potential holds for me because I've like I said I've always put um, relationships first so I want to put my career first and I've been very much digging my heels in I've had many like my exes very much wanted to say we'll get back together I'll support you with all of that and this that and the other and I but I just know that it's it's not the right time for that now it's no I need to put my career first and then go from there but it's going to be hard I'm I'm no (laughs) I have no doubt it's going to be going to be difficult because I don't really like being away from home I love being away from home if I know I'm going back but if I if I think I'm going to be away from home for the next six months because I'm very very close with my family I don't know how to cope. I did like four weeks in Thailand and cried at the airport because I was so ready to come home. I was like, oh my God, like if I'm on a boat for six months, 
<laughs> I'm like gonna cope. <laughs> so there are I do have my concerns, and so I think maybe if I'm missing home, will I get into a relationship to try mm. and fill the fact that I'm missing home and I'm missing the relationships at home, you know. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but I think I think you know those leaps are important to make, you know, and it sounds like it sounds like you've taken a lot of leaps with relationships, you know, and, and so now yeah. you're taking a, re- a leap with your with your professional life. Yeah, um, I've really tried to do a bit of self-evaluation yeah. and, and a critical self-evaluation as well of all, all my relationships have two people in them. So it's not all one person. It's not all the other. What did I do? How did I co- contribute to the breakdown of that? And how am I going to not do that in the future? And what do I need to do for me? And so I've really tried to do a lot of self evaluation, a lot of self discovery, but I know there's an awful lot more to do maybe before I'm in a place that I'm completely settled and completely stable to go, do you know what? Cards on the table, come on in. Do you know what I mean? Rather than, no, you stay there for a bit, stay at arm's length where I know where you are and I can let you in at my own leisure. It's actually, I, I want to be able to be at a point where I just fling my arms open and go, come on. Okay. <laughs> I'm not scared anymore. Yeah. And be happy to be vulnerable rather than petrified of it. Mm. I like to think too that you'll attract people who are more suited to that as well. You know, because the, the kind of vibes you give off will determine the people you draw in and away. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you, you, you attract what you are sometimes, don't you? Oh, yeah. If you're a very dramatic person, if you're a very a person with lots of issues or lots of drama in your life, you are likely to attract somebody who's going to contribute to that pot as, as well, which, which I have found, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's a very broad statement. And, and I think one of my friends who was helping me through stuff said to me, if you pick from a barrel of arseholes, you're going to get an arsehole. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's quite true. But if, if that's that's the thing. If, if that's the vibe that you give off and that's how you are, then that's the pot you're going to be picking from and they're the people that are going to be attracted to you. Mm-hmm. you know? So you're right. Hopefully, if I can get myself completely sorted and completely happy and settled, I will then attract someone of a similar a similar nature mm. who will be happy with me you know support me going off on the the boats and be like no 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 that's cold no, go for it you know so what is a six-month contract we'll make it work no. you know rather it's than great, oh, yeah. you're going to be away for such a long time and it, rather than it be a problem it actually be like no do it go I think first and foremost I need to be fully and utterly happy within my own skin so I know that if I take an empty glass to somebody and go, can you fill that? That's never going to be a good start. I need to have a, a glass that's overflowing myself because of the effort I've put into it and learning as much as I can about myself, about what I need, what makes me happy, what makes me tick, what, what de-stresses me, what, so I can be as mentally healthy as possible so that I then don't naturally bring drama to situations and I can be as you know positive and I can be energetic and you know look after myself and and therefore once I've done that um as well as doing that my relationship with my family and my friends is then my next absolute you know level of importance focusing on yeah, your friendships and family is a big mm-hmm. thing because I don't know if it's realistic for someone to be 
completely alone right and still be happy I mean for some people maybe they're happy living in a cabin in the woods and mm. hunting and having nobody <laughs> but no distractions but for most of us you know we need strong social connections mm. so that for me it was a time where I really started to recognize and yeah cultivate the friendships I had in my life and realize how important those were mm. and also yeah just to start trying to yeah, forgive myself for all the things I felt I'd done wrong in past relationships because, you know, you said earlier about, like, punishing yourself because you think mm. the breakup was your fault. Well, so fucking what if it was? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that you have to, like, whip yourself or starve yourself or whatever version of that you take, you know? You just have to forgive yourself, say, okay, I fucked up. I can't change the past. Mm. I have to start to move on. Yeah, learn from it try and work out why you maybe did that and you know work on it and take it forward and hopefully won't do it again it's all a learning curve isn't it at the end of the day I have a question like actually because you know you've had these experiences with your relationships and you know of course some good some bad but then you still have like this this great hope even with <laughs> even with the bad like experiences as well which which I really admire um and so so how do you find like hope and love and and like still desire this like openness and, and vulnerability um I think it's through my relationships with my friends that kind of gives me I absolutely adore my friends absolutely adore them and I yeah maybe it's the relationships with that or maybe it's just I, I'm just, I have a very positive attitude when it comes to love and I, I'll always try and put love first and hate second and forgive first um, and rather than you know, try and punish someone else. And I think because I've, I've done so much punishing to myself and I've felt the benefit of the, the love that I get out of the what I can give with my friends' relationships, I think that's what's definitely given me that hope for, you know, future relationships and things like that but I also think looking back on on my relationships there was a lot of good in all of them it wasn't that was a terrible relationship I hated every minute of it because it was like well I was with them for you know five years with my main ex it was like well he couldn't have been that bad so it's it's trying to take the positives and to take the the positive memories but learn from the mistakes that leave the resentment in the past because actually all resentment does is age you stress you out depress you and it's like actually the way of letting that go is forgiveness self-love you know learning your lessons and going right let's leave that where it belongs in the past and and move forward so maybe that process of that self-forgiveness like you say keeps keeps me positive maybe I'm I'm not really I wouldn't I don't really know I don't really have a specific answer to just that. keep it anyway <laughs> don't have to analyze it too much because I know for me like I I have like this kind of blind optimism like of love like I like I don't know from my history and movies that I've watched whatever I just really find like so much hope in romanticism and I am sure that I will get the love that I want and that I need mm. but then that also sometimes makes me very disappointed um because I just see like and I can imagine mm. like this love that I want and this love that I feel like I deserve um and you know this travel that I want in my life you know and this like art and music and beauty and and all of these things that I want in my life but then yeah but then I feel like yeah life disappoints me relationships sometimes disappoint me because of this 
Do either of you ever oh, experience definitely. this? Definitely. You know, when people don't meet this ideal we have in our minds, I think the instinct for a lot of us is to think, oh, it was the wrong person. I was wrong. I have to look again and mm-hmm. find the right person, you know, and I think it's probably a really cliche thing to say. I blame Hollywood, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but <I do. laughs> no, like fairy tales before that and media and just this narrative that there's the one right that there's mm. one person in the universe who will meet and everything will be perfect and okay and we won't have to put in the effort we won't have to change anything about ourselves we won't have to communicate and sex will always happen spontaneously <laughs> and amazingly <laughs> we'll always feel good about each other we'll never get annoyed you know like no you put any two people in a confined space for too long, even if they're perfect for each other, and they're still probably going to piss each other off. Yeah. And you know what we talked about in our breakups episode, right? Just because someone broke up in one circumstance doesn't mean they weren't right for each other. It's just mm. you can't put two people in any situation in the world and expect them to thrive. And yeah, what I'm saying as well is, just because things start to go south, it doesn't necessarily mean it's because the people are a bad fit, right? It can just be yeah. the situation. There's too much stress. There's too much pressure from some other source. Maybe your house is just making you angry because the lighting is too bad. <laughs> it can be so many weird little things stressing you and causing you to think that. And yeah, and I do think this narrative of the perfect one is a bit dangerous because it makes us see people as a list, you know, a list of flaws and pros mm. and cons. And if they don't meet enough of the things we were looking for, then we might start to mentally be like, well, okay, I need to... Oh, yeah, spread them off. <laughs> yeah. I do believe it's one of those things that people are brought into your life at certain times for certain reasons, and they're either a lesson or they're a blessing. And it's it's whatever one you want to choose out of that. A lot of my friends have been brought into my life as absolute blessings. And and at a time when I thought, when, when I split up with my big ex, I kind of thought I had no friends. I very much was of, well, I've got no friends. All my friends were his friends. So it was kind of like, well, well, who have I got now? And all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, just came these now, my absolute closest friends. And I'm thinking, where, but how, what, and I'm, who, what, why, how, you know, all that (laughs) kind of stuff. And it was amazing to think these people were brought into my life, some that I met while I was traveling. And you get that instant connection with them. And now they're like lifelong friends and really, really close friends. And I think you were brought into my life at exactly the right time. And it's amazing to, to, and that's what I try and think with, with my exes and stuff and look back on it and go, what good am I going to take from that relationship? I'm rambling. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's true. Like you think of different things. (laughs) It's complicated, man. And it's emotional too. And I think that, that it is interesting that even in relationships, even when we do have our own lives, like no matter I'm trying to say no matter what kind of relationship you have, whether it's codependent, you know, interdependent, um, manipulative, like healthy, abusive, there's going to be hurt after, oh, of course you know, is, yeah. like, I think, I think that's something that's just it's like, walk away, Scott, yeah, it's not like, oh, yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I might feel like that initially, but, but yeah, there is like that, that grief, you know, that will come after yeah. no matter what. 
And I um, think that's an important mm-hmm. thing to think about if you have just gone from relationship to relationship, you've not mm, really... You don't grieve for it. Yeah, you've not really healed, you know, mm. you just added more things on top. Because well, all it does is you just take more baggage into the next relationship, which is probably what I did. I, I didn't have enough time to grieve from one because by the time... I'd sort of split up with one. I was friends with the next one. And so it, there was never any gap bet- between the two. Mm. Um, and yeah, you're right. If you don't grieve for it, I do worry about my ex's new girlfriend because we were apart three months before they were official. So they would have been dating within that time before they got, even if it was a month. So say he had two months on his own. We were together five years and there was an awful lot of things that it took me a long time to work through. And I, I just worry for her that I hope he hasn't got into that relationship to get over our one because that's not fair on her. And I would really hope that she doesn't go through what he put me through um, because of that. And, and yeah, so I, I think because I've maybe taken that bit more time to, to get over him it takes everybody longer at the end of the day some people can do it in a few months some people take years you know but the fact that we were he was best man at my brother's wedding and that was a a good year and a half later we're still sat there you know with you know catching glances sort of glimpses at each other and we had a phone call a couple of months later and there was no closure there you know and he'd been with this girl a year and a half by then and he's still talking to me um, I think they'd been together a year and we met up and he was talking to me saying, no, she's not you. I still wake up and think about you. Go to, but you're my last talk before I go to bed. And I'm thinking, you do not need to be saying this to me. This is so not fair on your current girlfriend. You should not be with her if you are still having these thoughts about me. That is not fair. You can't replace me with her. You, you, she has to be her own independent. You want to be with her for her, not to get over me. I was like, so yeah, I do worry that he maybe has just added to the baggage that we already had um, to take into this relationship. But yeah, that's, that's we had a, we had a topic of, of honesty at our at our last one. I'm just curious. Would you like speaking in terms of honesty? Would you ever tell the girlfriend this? Um. I did have a conversation with her actually at the at the wedding. Um, it was a rather awkward conversation because I was stood there talking to her. I, I saw I saw my my um, other half of the time my ex now that he was he was there. He was round the other side of the bar, and I could see um, them two. And I went over and I said hello, and they said, "Oh, it's so you know it's so and so here." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, he's just round the corner. Let's just pop into the toilet and." I saw Ben take her hand and drag her around the other side of the bar to go and talk to my then boyfriend. And he, my boyfriend said he came in like it was this, he launched the show is what he calls it. Like came in, shook his hand. Hi mate, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm so-and-so. Like just talked at him the whole time. And I then came back and thought, where the hell are they? And I've gone round and I'm like, oh my God, they're having a three-way conversation, which is really, really awkward. And he'd interrupted a conversation they were having to go and introduce himself. And she was stood there and I said, oh, you know, have you, have you been introduced? And she went, no. I was like, what? I was like, Ben, have I got to do your job for you? I was like, oh, this is so-and-so, this, this is my boyfriend, this is, this is awkward, isn't it? So then we <laughs> stood there and I said, you know, do you want a Prosecco? And I was like, I think I need one. So <laughs> so we stood there and had a Prosecco and we, we were talking and 
I, there was an element of honesty. I'd had a couple of Proseccos by then, so I can't exactly <laughs> remember exactly what I said to her, but yeah. I know it was along the lines of, I know that mine and your connection, our joint interest is Ben. I know that we only want the best for him. I said, I only want the best for him. I said, you know how much I absolutely loved him, adored him, because I know you feel the same. So I know fully well how you feel about him because it's exactly how I felt. Um, but I know that when he did meet me that Christmas to tell me all of these things that he shouldn't have been telling me, um, they'd had a bit of time apart and broken up for a little while because of his feelings for me. And their first few months together, all he did was apparently talk about me. And it's like, you're in your, meant to be in your honeymoon period at that point. And if you're sat, you know, sitting there crying and whinging to your new girlfriend about your ex, I'm very surprised she's still here, if I'm honest. Um, but I, I understood it as well, because I thought she was a lot younger than him. She's about five years younger, so she's 20, she was 22 when they got together. And I thought she's just absolutely besotted with him and she will take him in any form as long as she can have him. And I, I, I got that. I, I absolutely understood that she worships the ground he walks on. And that's fine because I did the same. And I took as much shit as he would give me because I loved him that much. But actually that wasn't doing me any favours. And so, yeah, so from her perspective as well, I worry that she's maybe compromising herself too much to put up with what he's putting her through. Because he does have a temper and he did tell me that she'd seen it and she doesn't know how to deal with it. And I know how, you know, I'm the one that knows how to deal with it. And it's just like, well, you're not with me at the moment. So I'm sorry, but I can't cope with your, I'm, I don't have to be there to deal with your tempers. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'd like, I would like to tell her, but it's not really my place to do so. So I've, I've had the, I had had some conversations with her, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I was trying to do the whole polite civil mm -hmm. It's a hard place to be in. Yeah. yeah. When you know, like, this truth that somebody else should know, it would, like, make them maybe do something different with their life. But also... I don't know if it would, though. You don't think she's so, so yeah. young and so naive that I kind of thought, I don't even know if you would. You know fully well, and I know this sounds really cocky, but I don't mean it like that. She knew fully well he was still in love with me when them two got together. That would have been plainly obvious and plainly obvious to everyone in his family because I used to be friends with his sister for a long time after the breakup and she'd say to me she just doesn't understand what he's doing why he's doing it because he's still very clearly in love with me and it's like well what am I supposed to do with that information you know okay well so he's still in love with me but he's not knocking, knocking on my door at three o'clock in the morning in the pissing rain begging, begging for me to come back is he so I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. So if she's going to stay and she's going to put herself through that whilst knowing he's still in love with his ex, then that's her bed to her bed to make and lay in at the end of the day. And but yeah, I I, I do worry that she's she's going to get hurt because she's young. Oh yeah, and mm. it just wasn't a nice thing. To, and never, breakups are never a nice thing to go through. And, mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, but I think I think most of us, especially at 22, like for me, 22 was my age when I like made some decisions that were really hurtful relationship wise and, and gotten to some like, yeah, a relationship that probably wasn't the healthiest for me at the time. 22. Yeah. She's that age. She's so, so young now. She seems quite grown up though. Mm. She's, she seems like she's been a lot of places. You always do at 22. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. She's been yeah. a lot of places. She's done a lot mm -hmm. of things. She's mm -hmm. traveled. She's, she seems more grown up than he does. Mm. Um, 
but then I, I can just see that there's because she's still there after everything that had gone on before the wedding and the meeting with him and they'd obviously split up and got back together and yada 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 mm. that that she was still there at that point made me think okay you may be grown up you may be uh, a very mature person for a 22 year old but I think emotionally you're maybe making a bit of a mistake and too much of a compromise I don't want you to break up with him so I can get back with him I just I was worried that that was too much of a compromise like we said earlier how much of a compromise do you Mm -hmm. make and I think for her maybe she should have left for her own benefit um and to stand by her own morals um and boundaries to actually be like don't you know what I'm I'm not going to be treated like that I was terrible Mm -hmm. at that that was my definite downfall I did not know how to enforce my boundaries and I know now that's something I've got to work on because I've been very bad at that at times. I didn't even know what my boundaries were until I'd crossed them at some point. I was like, oh, that's not that funny feeling in my stomach. It's guilt. Oh, funny. <laughs> that's how you learn, though. Yeah, you cross the boundary and you're like, I don't want to go past there again. That hurts. <laughs> yeah, that was a moral. Okay, right, noted. <laughs> was it a little bit the same in your most recent relationship, though? Because you said you got together because he was helping you through your breakup. So it sounds very similar to what you said about... Um, we got together. Uh, we were really, really good friends. Like, the best of friends really close really connected on a much deeper level than I have done with a lot of my friends or anybody in my life to be completely honest and then we were out one night neither I I honestly hadn't given it a second thought it was you're my friend that's it like as far as I can say looking back on it now it's like I clearly had feelings but didn't know I had feelings and it was a case of someone said to us on a night out, why don't you two start sleeping together? You look really good together. You get on really well. Like, what harm could it do? And I sort of gave him that look of, why aren't we sleeping together? Like, we spend all our time together. Yeah. We, we both enjoy sex. I was like, why, why aren't we sleeping together? Um, and he said, well, I, I don't want... He was the one that was like, I do not want it to ruin the friendship. We are such good friends. I, one of us is going to start getting feelings. No. And I kind of was like, ah, challenge accepted. <laughs> so <laughs> I then wore him down, wore him down, wore him down, wore him down, which is not something to be proud of because <laughs> actually I probably should have left it there really. Um, and we did eventually start sleeping together. Then after a few months, I was on holiday in Edinburgh with my nan and I was picking out a little like souvenir thing for his goddaughter and I, I, had, I picked it up and I looked at it and I had that that light bulb realisation of, <gasps> oh no, I think I'm in love with him. Oh crap. So I, I remember putting it back mm. and, and I was looking at it thinking, doesn't, it's Aoife her name is. I was like, it, does it begin with an E or does it begin with an A because it's Irish? And I was looking at the E thinking it was Aoife, E. Okay, Aoife is actually A. And I remember <laughs> looking at this E and just that pit of my stomach was just like, bang and I was like oh no I was like and I knew from that minute on that sheer fear of I've let him in already and I don't want him there I'm not ready for that yet because I'd only been away from Ben for a few months at that point and I was like I'm not ready for this yet and because I knew I wasn't ready I had to then do everything in my power to get him get him out and problem is he wouldn't go 
So then I had to then push a little bit harder and I'd be having my opinions. I was like, okay, you're still there. You need to go. And But things I didn't want him to go, but I was just acting out and just being such a child and just doing so many destructive things and breaking his trust and just, yeah, just taking a sledgehammer to it as as like as much as I could. And then he'd sit there and put the pieces back together. And I'm like, no, I've just broken that. I, I want it broken. And yeah, he sat there and he put the pieces all back together. And that's when eventually after time, we decided to give it a go. But we'd then got so many pieces that were broken at that point. Trying then to make a healthy relationship out of that was very, very difficult because of, yeah said <laughs> said dramas <laughs> so yeah. it's exhausting just talking about I know. it it is I see amazing I think, oh, god how have I fitted all of that in the last 15 years yeah. <laughs> as well as a career and a you know all the different ventures I've been on and all this kind of stuff I think that, that's quite a lot of drama <laughs> in a short space of time really yeah, but, yeah. you do need some time to yeah. process it all But the thing is, neither of us, we're in a really difficult position at the moment because neither of us want to walk away from each other. But I I know that I've got some serious issues I need to sort out so that I don't keep repeating this pattern all the time. Because if I keep repeating it, I'm never going to have a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ever. You know, I'm too scared to let somebody in in case, in case what? In case I'm happy? In case I'm actually happy for a change? You know, so I I need to break that cycle. But him being in my life is going to, I said to him, the process of splitting up with someone and getting back together with someone is the same. You have to have time apart. You have to try and move on. You have to try and deal with issues and you either come back together or you don't. I was like, we can't, we're prolonging this process by trying to be friends with each other and being reluctant to let each other go out of our lives. And I said, I just don't think that is that is healthy and that's doing us any favours. I think it's eventually, if we kept carry on doing that, I think we just end up hating each other. And then that ruins any chance of anything in the future, friends or not friends, um, or friends or relationship or nothing at all. Um, so we're, we're both very aware that we need to have that time apart, but it's actually implementing that time apart that I think is actually the hardest thing at the moment because we've had such a deep connection. It's like, I don't want to let that go, but I know I've got to. But mm-hmm. what if I don't find it with somebody else? Yeah, but I will. And then you end up having this <laughs> fight with yourself. Yeah, and yeah. Hmm. Before you know it, you've ended up sleeping with them again. And you're like, oh, my God. Let's just complicate it a bit more, shall we? I think you need a snuggle buddy. <laughs> that yeah. might be the best. You need a teddy bear. <laughs> Get one of those, like, body pillows. <laughs> just a teddy bear. Just a teddy bear. Just we'll recruit do. some friends to yes. cuddle. Well, I've got a gay best friend, and he okay, sometimes says to me, "Do you need a dry hump?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And we can we can fill the holes in healthy ways too, you know, like like creating like these companionships by you know like having some cuddle friends. Um, yes, because because like we talked about before, it is it is addicting and it is amazing, you know, to have that feeling yeah. and, and you want it again, um, and you want to have that companionship, you know. So how do you how do you create the cut grieve? fully as much as you need find your own space but also like have like the love and fulfillment mm. you know that that you want and that you deserve you know to have in your in your life as well can't think you can i don't think you can get that that sense of forgiveness in there unless you have that 
time away from each other because the yeah. more time oh, yeah. I spend with him, one minute I look at him and I think of all the good times mm. and the next time I look at him and think of all the hurt. Oh, so yeah, it's like I, I need to only be looking at you in one way, whether that's I you know, that was a good thing that we broke up or actually I think that was a mistake that we broke up, but I'm not going to know that unless I have no contact and unless he's not in my life because otherwise it's just there all the time. I said to him, how am I going to know what it's like to miss you if you're always there? (laughs) I'm not going to know. I'm not going to have any idea what it's like for you not to be in my life if we're still friends. And if we're still friends, I'm very unlikely to sort out any of the problems to give us any future. So we're stuck in a, well, we've just got to not talk to each other. It's kind of like a limbo at the moment. Yeah, it sounds it's like. very much a limbo. Yeah. And it, but it's horrible because neither of us want to walk away from each other. But we know we've got to because we can't, we can't carry on as we mm. are. It's just mm. destructive. It's just going to age us mm. <laughs> more than anything. Mm. <laughs> oh. Oh. I feel like I need to lie down. Maybe. Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's have a lie down. <laughs> Thank you so much You're for sharing sure. all that. <laughs> so many things to think about really yeah really emotional really intense yeah I think I think really beautiful as well you know I just really appreciate like love and hope you know and and optimism and hurt and willingness to embrace hurt as well and and still find love I think all of that is is so important so I really appreciate like getting to like the depth and sincerity of it all as well now the funny thing is that just one week after we recorded this interview Louise got with another guy. <laughs> However, I'm happy to say that they've been together now for almost a year. They seem very happy together and very serious about each other. It just made me smile that after swearing that it was finally time to live for herself and to be single, she ended up in another relationship very quickly. Of that, she says, I couldn't help it. He was just so lovely. <laughs> so there we go. Now I wonder, is this latest guy the one? Did she need to kiss a lot of frogs before she found her prince? Will it last? If so, is that because she finally found the right guy or is it because the relationships and experience she's had so far shaped her and prepared her for this? Is it just because she's older and more mature now and the same for him? Dr. Carol Dweck talks about growth versus fixed mindsets. The idea is that if you have a fixed mindset, you believe that you're more or less the way you are and that that's not going to change. That could be, for example, saying, well, I'm not good at languages, so there's no point learning. I'm not very fit, so there's no point really trying to get fit. I'm not really good at communicating in relationships, and that's just how I am. Whereas someone with a growth mindset will always seek to improve and to change. They'll say, well, I haven't found the right learning technique for myself yet. Or, of course, I'm not fit because I haven't tried to get fit or communication is something that I need to learn and work on. And I wonder, are people who have a more fixed mindset doomed in a way to constantly end up in broken relationships because they're unwilling to work on themselves? Or is it more that people with a growth mindset are the ones who are doomed because they are constantly thinking, well, I could do better, I could find something better? I suppose the answer is not really that simple. I suppose that People who have a growth mindset could thrive in relationships if their partner is also willing to work on themselves, to work on communication, to work on things together. Of course, there are going to be people that you really hit it off with straight away. 
but doesn't mean necessarily that you're more compatible with them than with someone that you slowly get to know over time. It brings me back to the first episode when we talked to Emma, and she said that her mother or grandmother, I forget now, had mentioned, you know, that love is something you work at. It's not just magically expecting things to work out. You can't just put two people in a bad situation and expect them to thrive, even if they, in other circumstances, would be the most compatible people in the world. Anyway, I'm rambling now. So do soulmates exist? Is there one person or maybe multiple people out there with whom we're just more compatible than others? Should we keep looking for them if so? Or should we try to work with what we've got? In the next episode, I talk to two different friends who don't really believe in the idea of soulmates or even necessarily have any desire to settle down with one person. So, join us next time on The Way We Connect as we continue to explore this idea of compatibility in soulmates. 